Hey, it's your wingman Kagan, and welcome to the Dangerously Vulnerable Podcast, where we talk to honest leaders who care less about perception and more about the success of others. Today, we're going to dive into a visionary's life and learn how adversity, failings, and bad decisions have shaped their lives, their thinking, and their definition of success. There's absolutely no room for inflated success stories, so you can take notes on the learnings that have shaped them for the better. This podcast is brought to you by Height Digital in Oklahoma City, one of the leading creative and marketing agencies for visionaries looking to accelerate their growth and increase their revenue. Let's go. Sean Copeland, how are you? I am good, my friend. How are you? I am doing great. It's so good to see you. And I know you're a very busy man with lots of irons in the fire. So thanks for being on. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know the first hiccup that we already had was that IT would not allow you to get into this podcast. And my first question is, what does a man got to do that leads a a billion dollar bank? What does a man got to do to be able to get on a podcast? It it just might have taken uh, a while. So yeah, go through all the the red tape. Yeah, that that is funny. Well, welcome, uh, welcome to the Dangerously Vulnerable podcast. I've already told you that I, I I really want to make sure that we're dangerously vulnerable today. And you said you said everything's on the table, so everything's we don't know exactly what that means, but here we are. <laughs> everything's on the table. Everything. Okay. Uh, it's my okay to you and your and your viewers, listeners. Okay. Awesome. Well, first off, Sean, I think it's really important that we give a, a little bit of background on who you are. And we'll start, stay on that for just a second. Then I want to get into the good stuff here. But um, just tell us just a little bit about who you are. I mean, you've done you've done an incredible amount of things. If you look on LinkedIn, if you look on everything, I mean, you got you got a list. You got a list of things. So just tell me, like, what are you doing right now, and uh, what are you most passionate about right now? Well, the, the reason I've done a lot of things is because I'm really old. I mean, the, <laughs> well, that's that's one. <laughs> Had one per year. It's like you get to almost fifty things because I'm almost fifty. So, uh, so, so a very, very brief kind of bio for for your listeners. Uh, grew up in a small town, Beggs, Oklahoma. Grew up on a farm. Uh, graduated from Oklahoma State uh, back in the mid '90s. Was not able to return to the farm because of some economic challenges that we were having. Uh, really lucked into a career in the banking uh, industry. And that's a really funny story for another time. Yeah. Got overpromoted, was a bank president very, very young when I was 34, had the opportunity to buy Regent Bank. It started out very, very difficult because that was in 2008. And uh, we uh, thank the good Lord were able to survive due to a miracle from him. We have now grown from little bitty to pretty big, uh, billion three company, 200 employees. Uh, We have a very, very strong kingdom culture, which I know we'll talk about uh, later. Um, I have, I've been married to Angela 25 years this year. So both my 25th anniversary and my 50th birthday are all in 2023. Um, We have three kids, 19 16, I got to think about this a little bit, and 13, and they're great kids. Um, I coach Little League uh, sports. I'm a big uh, baseball uh, nut, and we operate a number of uh, different businesses, and that's kind of the story uh, of my life. Very important church, lead a number of uh, kind of faith-based efforts, but we'll just leave it at that uh, for now. 
Yeah, you've got a lot of things going, and I know that you give a lot of credit to your wife as well. Um, and I know that she's heavily involved. Not only does she have a full-time career, um, she still is in the career, right? I mean, I, I think I just saw a post that she was, you know, she's one of the only women in execs. Uh, at, I don't know if it was at her company or uh, whatever it is, but I know that she's really uh, diving in deep into that world. And so, uh, but you guys are partnering on a lot of things together. I mean, you would consider this more partnership. You're not doing this all alone. No, no, no. I, I So Angela is literally the most perfect human uh, ever known. I, it really, I am married to her and I'm like, there has to be a flaw. There's got to be some kind of, you know, deep, dark secret here somewhere. Yeah. And I think she is just that amazing of a person cancer survivor. She was an oil and gas executive. Uh, she's now an executive with the University of Tulsa. She oh, wow. okay. gets asked to speak and she's very, very inspiring, uh, particularly to a, a you know, women leaders. Um, they love her as they should. She's an unbelievable uh, mom and wife. Now, she doesn't really get too involved in the entrepreneurial endeavors mm -hmm. of mine. That, yeah just fear and risk for her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, I love it. So she just <laughs> kind of leaves me to my own device. Yeah. But everything else, we teach Sunday school together. Um, you know, everything that I do is with her blessing. And honestly, um, everybody that knows me knows this. I'm, I'm kind of like Bill Clinton in that if I didn't have uh, Angela, I would be a disaster. Uh, there is no question <laughs> about it. She's like super mom, super wife, very organized and uh, I can be a little uh, not organized. And so she's, she's pretty awesome. Wow. Well, I, I want to jump into uh, the story and there's a lot of things that we could talk about today and the things that you're doing today, but I think it's really important to have context for where you were. And I remember, uh, I don't know exactly where we were. We were at a table and I remember that, but I remember you telling me some of the story of 2008 yeah. and it, it has just continued to, uh, remind me that everyone starts somewhere. And a lot of the times it's not always in the best place. <laughs> so, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that. And can you just frame kind of where you were? You've just bought this bank. Um, you're, how old were you? Like 30, 30 34, uh, 30. So 30, 34 year old buying a bank, what in the world? And probably when you signed the documents, you felt like you were on top of the world for a moment. And I would love to know where it, where you figured out you were soon after that. So, you know, it's interesting. I went to the governor's prayer break breakfast this morning and it just, yeah stopped me as I was leaving for the sole purpose of talking about this story. This story, oh, wow. uh, he said, had really changed his life as well. So um, I, I was 34. I was running a bank here in Tulsa. I had the opportunity to buy Regent Bank. 
uh, I, it was a very, very scary, um, you know, anytime you leave a certain kind of corporate job and you're making good money and then all of a sudden you kind of go out on your own, you know, you're an entrepreneur deluxe. I mean, yeah. it, is, it is really scary. So we jump out, we raise the money. It took us a long time to get regulatory approval. It took seven months. We ran through most of our savings during that time because we didn't have any income. And then we finally close on the bank on April 1st of 2008. Okay. Now it is, it was April Fool's Day, which is pretty fun <laughs> looking back. Yeah. So it's just before the big mortgage crisis hit. So you're right. For about six months, I, I'm like Leonardo DiCaprio on Titanic. I'm like the king of the world. I mean, I feel <laughs> like, you know, I mean, newspaper articles and magazine articles, youngest people yeah. do this, all that. Yeah. And then we get to the fall. And as you know, I just watched the big short this weekend, Angela. Oh man. For the that's a, that's a pretty interesting show. And it was right. It was where we were. So everything wow. melts down. We began losing a lot of money because we weren't a mortgage. We, we were just a small rural community bank. But if you remember, and if your listeners remember, everything shut down. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just a mortgage. It was like the whole economy, you know, stock market goes down enormously and everybody, everybody's home equity disappears. And so people stop buying. So we had so many, we're a business bank and we had so many of our small business clients at the time, their, their customers just stopped buying. Credit seized up, banks stopped loaning. And so we began charging off loans left and right. Now, none of these are loans that we have made. But they are loans that we have done due diligence on. We thought they were good loans, and we find mm -hmm. out that in a, in a severe economic environment like that, they were not. So, I mean, it is, I just can't even put into words how difficult every day would be. Every day. So, mm -hmm. we get to February of 2009. And we have lost so much money that we are now below the regulatory capital threshold. So when you fall below a certain ratio, the FDIC uh, can shut you down at any time. Wow. So, and they've already shut 400 and some odd banks down by this time. I know we are next. I start calling my investors, asking them to loan, a, you know, to invest additional capital. I always thought they would. I just didn't factor in the fact that they couldn't. I mean, yeah, they are fighting for their own lives as well. So we get to uh, the third Sunday in February. I am in church. I have just faked the Sunday school lesson that I taught, which had to do with trust and peace, I'm sure. <laughs> trust and obey, for there's no other way. I'm not experiencing that. I'm not trusting. I'm about to go broke. Yeah. And so we get into church late. We're on the front row of our church. The band is singing a song called Healer, a Carrie Job song. I yeah. believe you're my healer. I believe uh, you're more than enough for me. I am thinking, as everybody else is singing, I am thinking this is the biggest bunch of baloney that I've ever heard. I'm not seeing any healing. I've been praying nonstop for yeah. six months. Long story short, as I'm thinking these uh, unspiritual thoughts, I hear uh, the Lord speak to me and say, uh, do you believe I am your healer? 
And I mean, mm. and I am Southern Baptist. So this is not, I'm like, I'm like you and your dad. Yeah. 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 And I'm not, I'm not. This You're like, who whispered that? Who whispered that? Exactly. I was, I, I looked, right. looking around and going, there was nobody around. Everybody is singing. And it was, yeah. I mean, crystal clear. I lose it in church. I literally, yeah. I can't stop crying. The impact of that experience with the Lord, plus all the stress I've been going through. So I literally fall to my knees on the front row of the church that I'm an elder in. And I uh, say, okay, God, I give up. Mm. I don't know what to do. I mean, I've been working 20 hours a day. Everything's yeah. getting worse by the day. I was literally skinny. Uh, that's how bad it mm. was. And so... Um, Two days later, I am up at our bank in uh, Nowata, the original bank that we bought. We have 80 letters that are going to go out to our 80 shareholders because I have no other options. I mean, I don't have any more money. I'm broke. Yeah. We had about yeah. $1,200 in the bank and a $1,700 mortgage payment due in two mm -hmm. days. I really didn't want to go beg my dad for money. I'm trying not to freak Angela out and tell yeah. her how bad it is. And so my only hope is that people will change their mind. Maybe the Lord's going to change their heart and their mind and they're going to invest. So we send out this letter that's basically like, hey, if we don't raise $3 million, we're done. We're going to get shut down at the end of the quarter, 40 days away. One of my employees is walking out the door with the letter. The, my, the phone rings to my left, and it is Arlene, our receptionist. She picks up the phone, answers it, and says, uh, Sean, you have a phone call from the U.S. Treasury Department, who is the shutter downer of banks. So I yell out to Sandy, and I say, Sandy, you don't need to take those letters. It's too late. She comes back. I walk in, pick up the phone. The lady on the other end says, uh, Mr. Copeland, this is Lisa Taylor with the U.S. Treasury Department. How are you today? And I say, well, Lisa, it kind of depends on how this phone call goes. She kind of laughs, and a lot of people tell us that, you know, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And she says, well, the reason we're calling today, she said, you may not be interested in this, but Regent Bank has been chosen for the capital purchase program, and the U.S. Treasury Department would like to invest $3 million into your bank at a 1% interest rate, no board seats, no dilution, and nine years to pay it back. And you want to talk about a uh, miracle. So I'm wow. trying to play it cool. Yeah. I tell her, of course. Can I, can I see the papers for that, please? You know. <laughs> <laughs> we are very interested. We would love the maximum, whatever you can give us. The money was in the bank that day. Oh, we, my goodness. We were on the phone at 1043. The money came in the bank at 157, just before the wire cut off. And, and we were healed. So wow. that is the, that's really the story of my life. I lived a life of scarcity living mm. up to that, leading up to that point because of some things that had happened uh, in my childhood. And so it healed me. And so the gentleman today literally was asking me, he said, you know, do you ever fear that this might might happen again? You're so you're so overt about what God did to save you. You know, do you think maybe you'll get another test one day? And I said, you know, I, I might. But I said, my only choice really is to do the best that I can one day at a time and trust in him. And he has taken away that fear uh, that I had for 
uh, a very, very large portion of my life. So it, it was a game changer. Mm. Wow. All right. So I have to ask, what were your thoughts when you're sitting at your desk daily? I, I, I know you're probably thinking, wow, what a failure am I? And now I'm going to be on the, the news again. <laughs> and the, the headlines are going to look very different. But what were some of the other thoughts that you were thinking? Because you had said you had a scarcity mindset. I, I think more people go through this than, than what they will ever share. I mean, you were thinking, how do I even get out of this? I mean, you know, and, and I, I mean, were you thinking, well, my life insurance is worth more right now. <laughs> so maybe if, maybe, maybe if I just like get hit by a bus, yeah. maybe it would be better. I, I mean, wh where were you at? I did think that. So yeah. it, it felt so hopeless. I mean, mm. you want to dangerously vulnerable. So I'll, I went yeah. there on this question. It, it felt uh, impossible. I mean, I just looked at the situation. It, it really was more than even what I've shared because a lot mm -hmm. of the talent, a lot of the employees that said they were going to come over and join me when we bought the bank did not because they mm -hmm. saw how bad we were doing. So I felt all alone. You know, mm -hmm. I was I was being attacked by investors. My board was not supportive. I remember having a discussion with my, I had a business partner at the time and I remember us saying, you know, if, if somebody would just give us 50 cents on the dollar today, we would take it, you know, just to get out because it just mm. felt like there was absolutely no way we were going to survive. And all the, and all the noise around you is so negative. I mean, it's not right. what you're going through. It's what you're seeing. So mm -hmm. I had pretty much the gamut of thoughts. Uh, one, wow. I am the failure that I always thought I would be. Uh, yeah. Two, you know, it may be better that I wasn't even born. I mean, it, I was kind of like George and it's yeah. wonderful life, you know, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, where are all the friends that I thought were real friends? They're not around, you know, I'm yeah. the village leper. Nobody wants anything to do with me. And, um, you know, and, and I will tell you that I, I did have a, a breakthrough moment and I'll, I'll make this very, very quick. Mm -hmm. I had a, a breakfast with a, a friend of mine who's a mentor, his name's Gordon Greer, and Gordon is in his 80s. And at breakfast, I was asking him how he made it through the 1980s because it was so bad in Oklahoma. And he said that he had had about three and a half years of, of bad, never had a, a good day. Now, I would argue it was a little bit different because he was an employee of a bank. Mm -hmm. He was the president of the bank, but he, sure. boy, he, he hadn't gone out and secured 15 and a half million dollars of invest right. everybody right. knew and loved in the world. But still, uh, he gave me this advice and it, and it, and it helped me get through. And it was when he would get up in the morning, he said he would have breakfast and he would say his prayer, read, read his, uh, he called them his verses. He'd read his verses in the morning. Okay. And then when he would walk out his uh, door to go to his garage, he had an oval mirror there to his right. And he would look in that mirror and he would say, uh, Gordon, do the best you can do today. And he said he'd mm. go to work and just get uh, hammered. Every day, every day, every day, just people. He said he got punched multiple times. People oh, spit man. on him, sued him, cursed him. But he said he would come back home and he would look back in that mirror and he would say, 
Gordon, did you do the best you could do today? And if the mm. answer was yes, he knew that was all he could do. He couldn't mm. control oil prices, interest rates, how people treated him. He could only do his best. Well, it's so crazy. But when he said that, I thought, you know what? I can do that. I may not mm. be able to control what's happening to me, but I can get up, make the best decisions I can make, work as hard as I can work, do the best I can do. And that helped me to make it through until we had this miracle uh, that occurred. So it was a very, very wow. difficult time. I I can't do it justice, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking about your wife right now and the, oh. uh, you know, not just your struggle, but thinking about your wife and what she was going through. Um, can you just give me a glimpse of where she was? Like, where is she at in all this? So, you know, she, she, in all honesty, she doesn't, at the time, she doesn't fully understand how. Sure. Okay. She knows I haven't taken a paycheck uh, yeah. in a long time. We're running through money. She had lost her job as well. Her job moved to Houston with Sitco Petroleum when they decided to relocate. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a job at the time. Uh, we had a two-year-old daughter, so life is already stressful, you know, anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but here's the deal, and, and I, I can truly say this, and it's really illogical. She was always supportive. And she was, Angela's very, very conservative, and I am mm -hmm. not. And so yeah. you would think in an environment like this, there would be a lot of, I told you so's, and I knew we shouldn't have done this, and, you know, why did you put us in this situation? All that. There never was. I mean, wow. honestly, probably the singular lifeline that I had at that time was the fact that she did not turn on me. I mean, had she turned on me, I probably would have just started driving and never, <laughs> I thought about it. Trust me. Yeah. Pretty yeah. I thought, okay, what if I just drove and ditch my cell phone? They couldn't find, right. You know? Yeah. But, but she, she kept me in the game. It was really remarkable. And so she, yeah, she is a big, big, big factor mm. in getting through. Well, we're going to, we're going to go to some, some bigger and better things, um, as well. And, and, but one of the things I think about, and I, I just think it's, I think it's worth sharing is all of us entrepreneurs, all of us businesses, even employees, when we go through hard times, I think our, we naturally, our minds go to those things. What if I just started driving or what if I just got hit by a bus or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, it's really interesting because then we, we start feeling down on ourselves that we would even have those thoughts. And, um, yeah. you know, what's interesting is I've come to, I've come to know that just because it's a thought doesn't mean it has to be the, the action that we, that we take, you know, our, our minds, our bodies try to fly, <laughs> you know, in different directions when we're going through pain. Yeah. Um, but ultimately it, it matters how we actually respond to that. Um, there's a lot of thoughts that we would hope that no one knows, you know, and hopefully we never act on. Right. And um, I think we, uh, as much as we don't want them, uh, naturally, it, it does occur. It, it does. And I'm with you. You beat yourself up after the fact and think, well, why would I even, 
go there. And it's almost like it is uh, natural. It's almost like that's just kind of the, the, the fight or flight, you know, right. Natural response within us. Um, You know, I have over the last, probably that was when I was 34, as I mentioned, I'm almost 50. So over the last say Mm -hmm. 15 years, um, I have also gone on a really um, intense spiritual journey where I have really learned to abide on a daily basis with uh, Jesus. And that love, I kind of grew up feeling like it was kind of a judgment relationship. I was always screwing up. Mm-hmm. I was always repenting. Right. I was Baptist, so I rededicated my life. Right. <laughs> Fifteen times. Yes. I mean, like every other day, I feel like I'm you know, and so when I began to realize how much he loved me and that it wasn't performance based, that was really a game changer. Mm-hmm. And so I would just anybody out there that might be uh, hearing this and going through a difficult time, you just have to understand that the word everlasting means everlasting. I mean, it means without Mm -hmm. condition. And so when God says he loves you everlasting, Jesus says that, that is the truth. And so you just, you just have to know that, that it's not, uh, it's, you know, whatever you're going through will come to an end. It's going to come to an end. Um, sure. that, you know, it will work out, but even, even if you're dealing with this your whole life, it doesn't change, uh, the love that, that Jesus has for you. And ultimately, I think to add to that, I think ultimately when we understand that our thoughts are transformed as well. So as much as we want to say that's natural, um, I think it's, I think it's probably better to say that it is, it is natural because of our human condition, but ultimately our, our thoughts can be transformed. They can, they can. And and we don't have to think that way all the time. One real quick new learning that I've just recently Mm -hmm. uh, kind of stumbled upon is there's a, there's a book called, uh, I believe it's called the gap in the gain. And it's a strategic Mm -hmm. coach, Dan Sullivan book. And this is very, very simple and quick, but boy, it is powerful for an entrepreneur. We are all, Um, we're all wired to where we're always looking to the future and we don't Mm -hmm. celebrate the past. And he has this concept called uh, measuring backwards instead of measuring forwards and taking the time to stop and think about where you were and how far you have come. And man, I have just found, I've just been doing this for a couple of weeks and I have just found it is, it's intoxicating to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the energy that you get from that is uh, very, very powerful. So I think, you know, we all know it's about perspective. And when you go mm-hmm. through something like that, your vision just becomes very, very narrow. And you're only seeing the negative. You're seeing through the keyhole of your pain. And mm-hmm. when you can just step back and see things for what they are, um, you know, people go broke all the time. People have challenges yeah. all the time. I mean, they yeah. and, and they rebound and they are better for the learning that they experience going through that. So it's just, it's not the end of the world the way that it felt to me back at that time. Yeah. And, and from that, 
you've you've written a couple of books uh, based on your learnings and and everything you've experienced. I think mostly though, not from the 2008 experience, but more so through this the spiritual journey that you've been on and the learnings that you've had from that. I think the 2008 definitely spurred uh, you know some of this some of this on. But um, one of the one of the books that's about to come out is called 94x. And uh, you say that there is a formula. And I'd love to know there's this formula that you believe uh, calculates this, this 94X. Um, and so tell us just a little bit about this. So everybody, for full disclosure, uh, our host has really kind of been my partner in crime on, in much of this. <laughs> so uh, he, ha- he comes from a base of knowledge here. And, and uh, as you know, uh, I am crazy pumped up about this yeah. I believe will be a movement. And so 94X comes from 160 divided by 1.7. I believe it is, uh, these were two numbers that were given to me on a Southwest Airlines flight from Tulsa to Dallas. Um, it was crazy, but the 160 is the number of hours that our employees work for us in a month. Mm. And 1.7 is the number of hours that our the average American and therefore our employees um, attend church a month. And the epiphany mm. that I received on that day is only an hour long flight. I mean, you'd think you wouldn't believe you could change your life on a, especially on Southwest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, it, but, the, but the epiphany was that I, as a, uh, as a business leader and as a Christian business leader, I have my employees in my care 94 times more than they will typically go in the walls of a church. And so if I don't show them the love of God, they may never see it. And so what that did was that just opened up a a, a journey uh, that we have been through and a journey of learning about what we can and can't do within the workplace. And is it possible to have a love-filled workplace where you can share the good news of Jesus Christ without making any of your employees feel uncomfortable or like they are forced to do anything. And we believe that it is. And our experience here uh, at our company has been that it, it literally changes everything when you do that. Well, you say everything changes when you bring God into your business. And that's a pretty bold statement. And I would say that uh, most people, even even those who believe, would probably disagree in many ways or or have limiting beliefs that that's actually possible. Yeah, yeah. most people don't think it's possible. So first and foremost, work should be kept separate from church. And, and you know, there is a, there is a, there's a word in the Bible called avada, and it's used, A-V-O-D-A, and it's used three different times. And in the three different times, one, one place it means work, one place it means worship, one place it means service. And my contention is we are the ones that separated the three. It was never mm-hmm. intended 
that it be separated, that the three should mm. always be together. But I, I am extreme. We have we have employees who are every religion, uh, every lifestyle imaginable. Um, my goal is not to uh, make anybody feel guilty or to uh, br- thump them over the head with the Bible or do baptisms in the bank lobby, you know, or uh, put oil on people's heads and learning yeah. committee. I'm not I'm not doing any of that. All I am trying to do is show them an uncommon level of love and caring and attribute that back to uh, my Savior and hope to, in that way, magnify um, him in my daily life. And what has happened is, you know, no matter what people believe, I have seen the truth. What I have seen is that over a number of years, um, it's 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 it creates an amazing culture, uh, mm-hmm. the fastest growing bank in the country. It you're not you're not uh, putting aside business practices. You are simply creating a place where people want to be, and whenever mm-hmm. they want to be there, all of a sudden you're getting the best of the best and and showing them a family and love in a way that many of my employees have never seen um, in their life. And in many ways, our bank feels more like church than probably the church that if they attended, you know, that they, they have attended. And so it, it's mm-hmm. pretty radical. Wow. And a lot of people would say, well, Sean, that's great for you. Um, but but there's other people are not doing that. And you would say, uh, no, there are a lot of people, uh, you, you know, people who are doing the same thing and have been inspired to do the same thing and bring, uh, God into their business. And it has, uh, made dramatic improvements, uh, movement, progress, whatever we want to call it with their businesses as well. One of the things that we do in the book is, uh, we, we go out and we have researched literally hundreds of businesses that have done this. And we, we boiled it down to six or seven stories uh, within the book that we share. And what is amazing is that in every instance, it, it's different. You know, what I do here where we, we have a prayer team that uh, when people need prayer, they just email and we stop and and pray for them. And we have a daily devotional and we have Bible studies. And our purpose is to show God's love to our employees, clients, and communities. I mean, we look that way. Uh, my buddy Charlie across town has a Christian uh, library that is just available to people if they want to come in and read. And he supports people to go to summer camps and mission trips and to adopt babies. And, you know, and and he takes care of terminally ill uh, employees and lets them continue to work and keeps them on the payroll. And I mean, there's, there's, it's just, it's just, it's different in every company. And what we cannot do is give a, uh, you know, the ingredients of how to make this happen. But what we can do is encourage people to know there's more out there and encourage them mm-hmm. to pray and listen and obey when the Lord calls them to do something. I mean, it's unbelievable what can happen. As you know, you know, I was led to start a devotional about five years ago. We had seven people on the first call. 
today we've reached over 180,000 people on wow. the 800 number that people call all over the country, four foreign countries. I mean, what the Lord can do within your organization is so far beyond what we imagine, what we can imagine. We just have to turn it over to Him and obey and be sensitive to those people that we work with and just, just give them opportunities, not requirements, but opportunities uh, to get involved if they wish to do so. Wow. Well, I know that... Uh we don't have a lot more time left, um, but I do, I, I do have a couple more questions. And one of those is with every success, with every learning, we have people who have come along to help us get to where we are today. And I would love to know from you, who are some of those people who have truly been, and, and I know you have lists, pages, you could write a book on that, but who would be some of those people that you could say uh, right now and remember that have really helped you along this journey? Yeah. You know, I think about the old story of the turtle on the fence post, you know, I mean, we never, we never uh, get there on our own. And so yeah. my probably best examples are uh, Jim Halligan, the president of Oklahoma State University, who helped me get into banking when it was of no oh. benefit to him to do so. Very, very, mm -hmm. um, selfless individual recently uh, passed away. Um, you know, I have a lead investor here uh, by the name of Jerry Smith, who has been by my side um, nonstop. I mean, he's believed in me from the get-go. Really, my entire executive team came here for less pay, typically than what they were making, because they believed in the vision and believed in where we were going. And they've all had opportunities to leave and do better and make more money. And they've stayed here and been loyal to uh, me and to our purpose. Um, we already talked about my wife, my my mom, my both of my parents have been exceedingly supportive uh, throughout all of this. And so, I mean, you are right. I can, if I go back to, uh, I just met, a, 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 talked to a gentleman this morning who was my first real client at the bank. You know, the first client that we won, it was, um, and I told him how momentous that was, that he chose mm -hmm. us over two much larger banks that he could have gone much more proven. Um, and it, what, a, what a key moment that was for us. So yeah, it's very, very important to remember those people that helped us to get where we are. And, and I will say this, it's very easy for me because when it was just me, we almost went broke. When I began, when I began to build uh, this team and uh, have this this amazing uh, family that we have here, that's when we took off. So I don't mm -hmm. have any, you know, delusions that I'm the reason for this. I know it's God, but it's also uh, such a wonderful group of employees who work so hard every day. Yeah. The CEO who lost all control and gained so much. Yes. They're right? back in front of the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, so tell us this uh, really quick. Uh, I know that you have a podcast, uh, which is fantastic. Um, you, you share a lot of great insights on that. 
Um, I know that 94X is coming out. And depending on when this is released, I know that we don't have a spe- maybe a specific date yet, but it's something we can all look forward to, right? And so, Close. yeah. So, yes. So, uh, so, yeah, tell us just a little bit how we can find you. Sure. So, uh, first and foremost, our daily devotional that we do is every morning from 817 to 830 Central Standard Time. And you just call 888-630-4807. Every day, 365 days a year. The, nice. Our uh, podcast is called Kingdom Driven CEO, and it's on, it's on all the outlets. And we, do, we have new content every Saturday morning uh, by noon. And, um, and it's basically just the intersection of uh, faith and business. Uh, what does that really look like? And, and how can we uh, bridge those two? Um, and then, yes, we're so excited. 94X Movement, which uh, when you see the beautiful website, the gentleman that I'm mm-hmm. talking to find <laughs> it, uh, it is off the charts good. And, and our, the big day is going to be April 7th. So, Oh, okay. Okay. We've got the date. If I'm not mistaken. And so we are, we've got it nailed down. We're going to be ready. And All right. we will launch uh, on April 7th. So you can go to 94xmovement.com if you want to uh, join the movement. Uh, we'd love to have you jump on board. Yes. Okay, everyone. April, April 7th. That's the day. That's the day. All right. Fantastic. Well, um, thank you, Sean, for being on. Uh, it's an inspiration, it's a blessing, it's humbling. And it gives us all something to to think about. Where we first met, by the way, was at the our conference room of our Oklahoma City uh, bank. And that's exactly right. Dad um, introduced us, and that's where you would have first heard the story. Man, um, man, if I if I remember, um, I I pitched to you, I cried to you in there. Um, I, uh, I I remember multiple things. Heard your story. Um, I mean, we we got it all right. done in one day. <laughs> been a great, been a great run. Great friendship. Man. All right. Well, Sean, thank you so much. Truly appreciate you and hope everyone enjoyed listening to this podcast of Dangerously Vulnerable. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of the Dangerously Vulnerable podcast. To learn more about me, the Visionaries Wingman, head over to KaganHenson.com. If you're willing, subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and tell us what you think. Until next time, keep breaking through those barriers that are holding you back from accomplishing your extraordinary vision.